0: Welcome to the Power Podcast and this year's 2020 theme, Power Perspective. I'm your host, Malia Warner, discussing ideas to help you live your best life by seeing things in a new way. This is episode 57, Lies of the Magpie Update. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. It is really so nice to have you here. Today's episode is an update on the publication of my book, Lies of the Magpie, coming out May 2020. This year, three months, almost getting time to count down. So the way this episode is going to work, we need to cover three things. Number one, where the perspective part of this episode ties in is that I'm going to be giving a little bit of inside information on the process of getting the manuscript ready for publication. What I'm going through, where my head is, what kind of things I'm doing and situations that are coming up. And then number two, this is the call for beta readers so if you want an advanced copy of *Liza the magpie if you want to read before anyone else is able to then you will definitely want to stay tuned in for the rest of the episode and number three at the very end i am going to tell a funny story That happened during the time period that Lies of the Magpie takes place, but it won't be in the book because it doesn't really have anything to do with this story. But I was looking back through pictures this past week just to jog my memory and help me to deepen some of my physical descriptions of the setting and the characters, and I came upon this picture that jogged my memory about a story that happened, and it really is So funny, I wish it could be in the book. Definitely worth sharing. So just for fun, today at the very end, a little storytelling session. Sound like a plan? All right, let's dive in. Okay, number one, Lies of the Magpie. I'm calling this an update with an apology. If you are new to the podcast, if for some reason this is your very first episode, let me give you a quick background. Last summer, the summer of 2019, the podcast episodes were audio recordings, Of my book, Lies of the Magpie. It is a memoir. It is my story of becoming a mother. It's a mother's story, really. I think there are a lot of universal themes in there. The journey of becoming a mother and the challenges with doing a work that isn't measurable. There's not a salary attached with it. You don't get report cards or awards or any kind of measure to know if you're doing it right. And then that compounded by the feelings of mothering guilt and feelings of inadequacy and doubt that you're doing it the right way, compounded then by pregnancy complications and childbirth complications and hormones, postpartum depression. Got some chronic illness in the story, a little Epstein-Barr virus, some Hashimoto's thyroid. You know how life is. It just compounds and compounds. It's never one thing that gets us, is it? It's the combination, just finally the straw that breaks the camel's back. So that is a summary of this story. I've been working on this manuscript for eight, nine, ten years now. Initially began writing it for myself, incredibly therapeutic, almost put it away and moved on to other projects like some fun fiction series of events. And I pulled it out again, entered it into the Utah Arts Council writing contest. It won second place there. Got some really incredible feedback about the power of the story. Since then, I have been continuing to hone my own skills as a storyteller and have continued revising the manuscript, really hounding in on the story and just making it as concise and impactful and, most important of all, readable. I am just going to own this here. I have set the bar really high for myself. I want a book that you just want to devour, that it is so readable. You just want to keep going and going and going because I love to read, and I love a book that I just get into I love a book where I can see myself in the characters and where the journey of reading teaches me something about myself that I hadn't seen otherwise. It is perspective. I think we read to widen our perspective and to have a broader human experience. So that is an update on what my goals have been and where my mind has been as I've approached these rounds of revisions. What I need to address here is why I stopped podcasting at the end of the summer. And if you're joining this podcast at a later date, those summer episodes may not still be posted on the podcast. They may be taken down for publication rules. I'm not 100% sure how that will work exactly. But let me explain myself. I feel like I owe you an apology for abruptly ending the Lies of the Magpie Summer podcast because the podcast ended with chapter 12. I was 37 weeks pregnant in full out labor, driving by myself across the desert with zero water and not even a shoelace to tie off an umbilical cord. And that's where the story ended. That was really, really mean. I apologize. It was not on purpose. It was not a marketing scheme. I promise. First of all, I'm not that cruel, but even more so, I'm neither that clever nor that organized to have planned that in advance. So the real answer was why I didn't continue is because the next sections of the book weren't ready. I stopped at chapter 12 that didn't even finish part one. Part one is actually 15 chapters where you actually get to find out what happens with the baby and the birth and everything. Lies of the Magpie is a book with three parts, 15 chapters in each part. There may be a fourth part I'm going to see, or it may go a few more chapters. But here's the truth. This is what happened. Prior to starting this podcast, I had gotten stuck in my manuscript. The revisions I did all of 2018 kept changing the manuscript, but they weren't necessarily making it better. I was spending hours rearranging sentences and choosing different words, but the story wasn't getting stronger. Then, rather serendipitously, if you believe in serendipitousness, I started a podcast. And when my podcast microphone arrived by Amazon, what did I use to test the sound? Reading chapters from my manuscript, because the text was right there on my computer screen, and reading the chapters out loud something clicked. I could hear what wasn't working. Here's a little tip for writer friends out there. If you feel stuck, try reading out loud. Also, then I was recording chapters because I happened to have 60 hours of flight time to and from South Africa. And I thought that would be a good time to listen and make some notes. So recording and sharing those chapters happened kind of serendipitously. And it helped me to get unstuck. And then by fall, I had a different trajectory. Well, not a different trajectory. The book didn't change directions, but I actually had direction. And so chapters that I'd written previously, they just weren't really where I wanted them to be. They weren't at a level that I felt comfortable sharing them on audio. And I've been working on them ever since. And in that process, last fall, I made decisions. I found a publisher. I found an editor and it is moving forward. So what is the update where I am right now? This weekend, I submitted part three to my editor. Now, those were not final edits. When you write, you really go through three different types of editing. Your first edit is, and the first edits have nothing to do with spelling, punctuation, grammar your first edits are all about the development and the structure. Just checking if the story is right, if the characters are developed and believable, if they're complicated, if their motives are clearly shown. Is the story told in a good order? How's the pacing? Do these scenes belong and strengthen the story or are they distractions? So all those kinds of things in the development and structure? How's the voice? How's the point of view? Are you telling it in the right tense? Is the tense consistent throughout the story? So the first level of edits is more just an overview of the whole project. Your second level of edits is going to go more chapter by chapter, paragraph by paragraph, and do a good writing check. How is the syntax? Then the third level of edits is going to be your line editing, and that's going to look more at sentence structure, punctuation, tense, getting into some spelling and and those kind of issues, trying to clean it up as much as possible. And then only very, very last do you do the final copy editing, the very final proofreading. And I'm not really sure why I'm delving into these details, why I feel to share this information. I hope it's interesting and helpful to someone out there listening. So my editor and I have been going back with these developmental structural edits, have delved in a little bit into line editing. So I've submitted my part three to the editor and she's fantastic by the way. She will go through them, give it back to me. I will go through them, look at it again, and then it will be ready for beta readers. Okay, before I move on to beta readers, I did want to update how the story has changed. So, the chapters that you listened to summer 2019, are they the same? Basically, the story is the same, but it has changed a lot. Some of the scenes have been removed. I actually shortened part one by 18,000 words. It is more consolidated. It's better paced. The flow is better. The rhythm, the tension, the handling, the back and forth of the driving to Tucson mixed with the flashbacks. Those just are a lot smoother transitions. Honestly, in all this revision process, I feel like I have left no word unturned. Part three was the least revised of all the sections. It just maybe other people do this too. It's kind of like if you're going to read the Bible or read scriptures and you have a goal to finish the Old Testament or finish the New Testament and you just end up reading Genesis over and over and then you lose momentum. And so you start again with Genesis. Writing for me has been the same way. I would just start at the beginning and then I'd see things that needed to be fixed. And so I'd fix the beginning. And this is my 14th draft. What I'm working on right now is the 14th draft. But I would say that part three of the book, it's probably its third draft, maybe fourth draft. And so part three, it wasn't reading very great. It was slow. It was boggy. There was lots of what we call in writing telling rather than showing. It was really missing the zing. And it has been heavy on my mind. I've been worried that the book would start strong and then kind of piddle out and that maybe part three just couldn't be as good as part one because it didn't have all that tension about labor and childbirth in the desert. And, you know, did it really have the the content and the story to give it that zing? Oh, I am so happy because I think part three just might be my favorite section of the book. It has come together. It definitely is resolution to the story. It has a satisfying ending, but not in the way that you might predict. There are some unexpected twists and turning points in there. And I'm really happy with how the story is deepening. So update on where Lies of the Magpies is in the revision process and getting prepared for its birth, its debut to the world. So number two, that takes us to beta readers. If you would like to read *Lives of the Magpie in March before it is available to the rest of the world, This is how you do it. So first of all, a beta reader is someone who reads a draft. This is going to be a pretty close to final draft, but it will not be perfect. Really, you won't be a beta reader. You'll probably be more like a delta reader because I have had several rounds of beta readers already up to this point, but I've never heard of anyone called a delta reader before, so we're going to stick with the term beta readers. Okay. first, I want you to know if you volunteer to be a beta reader, what you will get. First, you get to read it before anyone else, before it becomes available in May. Second, when the book publishes in May, you will get a free digital and audio copy as a thank you. The first 20 people who email me and sign up to be a beta reader, you will get a hard copy of the book as well. I do need to limit it to 20 because I pay for those copies out of my own pocket. I will ship them to you. I will sign them and you will have a hard copy, a digital copy and an audio copy. So if you know right now that you want to beta read it, hop on your email, send me an email that says, I want to beta read. And my email is MaliaWarner at gmail.com. M-A-L-E-A-H-W-A-R-N-E-R at gmail.com. If you receive my weekly Monday email message, you can simply reply to any of those Monday messages that you have saved in your inbox. If you are listening to this episode later than March of 2020, I'm so sorry for including time-sensitive stuff on a podcast. I know that I listen to a lot of podcast episodes that are months, even years old. So my apologies if you're getting this later. Third, as a beta reader, your name will be listed in the thank you section of my book. If you want to remain anonymous and not have your name listed, that's okay. Let me know that too. But otherwise, you will be listed in the thank you section of my book. And number four, and this is also limited to the first 20 people, I will come and speak to your book club. So by being a beta reader, if you have a book club, or you're part of a book club, or if you want to get a book club started, I will come to your book club discussion group. I will give a presentation. I will answer questions. We will have an amazing discussion. Lies of the Magpie is written to be a book club book. The nature of the story naturally generates a lot of discussion. And I'll just own this here too. I'm a national public speaker winner and I'm a teacher, so I promise your guests will have a great experience that night. So the parameters of this speaking at your book club, you need to live in my state. You need to live within like three or four hours drive time. I'm pretty sure I will be coming to Arizona and some close states, but it needs to be within reason probably can't get to Australia very feasibly, though I would love to. So if you live in close proximity to me, I will come speak at your book club, but we live in an age of technology. And if I cannot be physically present at your book club, I will absolutely do a Skype presentation and discussion. We can hook it up with Zoom. There are all kinds of options that I can still be at your book club Sound good? I wanted to offer some things as a real thank you for taking the time to beta read the manuscript. Okay, you might be wondering what qualifications you need to be a beta reader. It's a pretty strict standard. You need to be able to read. I'm going to say the book is about a seventh grade level. (laughs) Nothing too complicated in there. Although it's probably PG-13 just for mature topics and pregnancy and childbirth and overuse of the word, ah, that kind of stuff. Now, maybe you're thinking that memoir isn't your thing, not your genre. You're more of a sci-fi or historical fiction, or you might be thinking, I'm a man. I don't have enough estrogen to beta read this book. Actually, The more diverse the pool of beta readers is, the better the feedback and the better the manuscript will become as a result. So especially if you have a really unique perspective or cultural background or religious background that could be different than my own, you would make an excellent beta reader. It's basically the same idea as, you know, if we watch American Idol or The Voice or any of those America's Got Talents, we don't have to be a singer to know what we like, what works and what doesn't work. So you don't need to be a writer to be a good beta reader. Next question, the process. What does it entail for you as a beta reader? Number one is read the manuscript. You will receive it on March 15th and need to have it finished on March 25th. So reading the book in 10 days, it is a fast pace. You will receive it as a word document. It will be about 350 to 400 manuscript pages. So double spaced, 12 point font. So that's your job, read it. And then you have two options. Option one, you can just read through and then answer questions that I'll send you on a questionnaire. Or option two, you can actually highlight along the way. So in Microsoft Word, there are track changes that you could do. I'll include instructions how to do those. You can highlight anything that stands out, that doesn't work, that doesn't make sense, that you have questions about. You do not need to fix it. Important to know you do not need to proofread for spelling, grammar, Punctuation. If you love that, if you love editing that way and you want to do that, go right ahead. That is extra mile. I will do something, I'll bake you a cake or something. Otherwise, we'll let the copy editors do that. You don't need to worry. If you come across a spelling error or something and you want to highlight it, go ahead. But your main job is looking for how the story works, how it reads to you. Does it keep you engaged? What are parts where it just got boring and you ended up shutting down the computer and surfing the internet? Was there any unresolved content, any scenes, things that you wanted more detail about or things that you wanted less detail about? Were the characters believable? Was there anything not believable? Also in reading, you're looking for sentences that don't make sense on the first read that come across confusing. Maybe you'll run into duplicate words that you could highlight. Or repeated phrases, metaphors, sometimes in editing and revision and all of the copying and pasting and moving things around, scenes or sentences or descriptions accidentally end up in two different places or maybe even three different places in the book. So kind of watching for repetitive things. Just overall, any feedback, anything you see on your read through that you could give me feedback on to help make the manuscript the very best that it can be then after March 25th, we will have our first Lies of the Magpie book discussion with beta readers. And we will do that by Zoom meeting online. You can join in online and ask any questions or give feedback, ideas, things that you had. Just share your experience from reading the book. You do not need to be at that book discussion in order to be a beta reader. It's just a little bonus. Okay. Any questions, if you're interested in this, but aren't hundred percent sure that it's the right thing for you, feel free to email me with any questions. So once again, beta readers, you'll be reading a 350 page Microsoft Word manuscript document and you'll receive it March 15th and we'll need to have it back to me on March 25th. In manuscript form, it might be closer to 400 pages. So let's just plan 40, about 40 pages a day to be able to finish it. And as a beta reader, your feedback on the length of the book, if it feels too long or if it's sustainable, will be really helpful to me. If there are scenes that just really drag and that could be cut from it, that will be helpful for me also. Okay. We've covered the updates of Lies of the Magpie, where the manuscript is in the publication process. We've talked about the instructions for what to do to become a beta reader. This is a different episode than the norm. I think it's for someone out there. I hope that it's helpful. You're still here. So I want to finish with just a really fun, great story. So number three, here is a story from Lies of the Magpie that will never make it to the book. So you're privy to this little scene. So this story took place in 2006. And what was happening in 2006 was I had been diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis and Epstein-Barr virus. I was still very much in denial about depression, postpartum depression, whatever you wanted to call it. I just didn't believe it was a thing and refused any medication for it. Basically, my body felt like wearing a skin of hardened concrete. It was challenging to move. Brushing my teeth took enormous effort. I felt worthless to my family. I felt like a worthless mother, a worthless wife. Pretty much, I felt like scum on the bottom of the Titanic after it had sunk, just feeling that low. So I didn't go a lot of places. I didn't get out a lot. But one evening, good friends of ours, their oldest daughter was getting married and she had been our babysitter for years. She'd been in our home and I really wanted to go to her wedding reception. So my husband agreed to watch the kids and he let me get out and go. He's like, it's going to be good for you to, to get out. And moms, when you can get out by yourself, what do you do? You don't take the minivan, right? You take whatever other car you have. If you have another car, if you don't have another car, you'd rather bicycle than be in that minivan one more time. So I took our other car, our sedan. It was a gold Ford Taurus. And I went to the wedding reception and it was lovely. It was so fun. I visited with people I hadn't seen for a while. I watched the happy bride and groom. I stayed and stayed they did their dance and I stayed, they cut their cake and I stayed. And finally there weren't very many people left and I decided, okay, I should probably go home. So I had not brought the keys to the Taurus in with me because I wasn't wearing a dress that had any pockets. It's an issue, isn't it ladies? Dresses, clothing need pockets and I hadn't wanted to take a purse or anything. And we were at a church. So I I was just like, I'm going to leave my car unlocked and I just put the keys under the mat. So I go out to the parking lot and I don't see my car. But I do see the bride and groom's car, which has been elaborately decorated. Then it dawns on me that the bride and groom's car is parked exactly where my car had been parked. So I decided I better look closer. So I walk up to it. Sure enough, my water bottle in the cubby, my license plate number, my jacket on the back seat. It was my car. Turns out the groom also owned, you've got it, a gold Ford Taurus. His buddies, not thinking that Just perhaps the Ford Motor Company had decided to make more than one gold Taurus, went to the first one they saw in the parking lot, and decorated it up good. Then, for whatever reason, when they were done, they locked the doors. So I needed to get home. My car was decorated with plenty of just married messages, and my keys were locked inside. Back inside the building, I decide I better inform the bride and groom what happened and let them come and look so that they can at least see what their getaway car would have looked like and ask bride's father if I can borrow his cell phone. Call up my husband who packs up all of our kids, who should be in bed, comes over in the minivan with the extra set of keys. So husband arrives in the parking lot. There's quite a crowd gathered at this point around the car, the bride and groom, the family, laughing, having this hysterical moment. I asked them if they'd like to trade cars for the weekend so that they can have their rite of passage driving away in the car with the streamers, and they're absolutely fine. No, no, go right ahead. The interesting thing to me about this is that when we got married, Our car did get decorated, but it was such a job that my sister and brother-in-law took it and cleaned it and washed it all before we ever saw it. So my husband and I never really had that, you know, driving down the road in a car with the just married and the streamers and people honking at us. We never had that experience together. He's going to have that experience in just a few moments. So the kids are tired. It's past bedtime. He's laughing and talking now with all of our friends because he hadn't gone to the reception since he was doing babysitting duty. So I say, I'll get in the van, take the kids home, get them put back into bed, and then you can bring the car home. Well, a little while later, here comes my husband, Jay, and we'll just call his friend, Joe, who was the father of the bride. And for some reason... Joe, in cleaning up the reception, something realized he needed something from home and they didn't live too far from us. And so he asked, he asked my husband, Jay, if he could get a ride home to pick this thing up or get another vehicle. I, I can't remember the details. So Joe and Jay leave the church house, leave the parking lot together, driver's seat, passenger seat in The decorated just-married car with the streamers driving down the road of Surprise, Arizona, driving down Reams Road, coming across Bell Road, and they are having people honk at them and wave at them and yell, congratulations, and way to go, and the big thumbs up. And so my husband has his riding in the car, just-married experience with our friend Joe next to him. It's late when he gets home, so he just pulls the car in the driveway and leaves it decorated. And the next day was Sunday, and it was so tempting to drive it back to church, but the kids, we could only all fit in the minivan. And that, my friends, is the story of how my car got decorated at the wedding reception by mistake. I'm curious if this has happened to anyone else surely there are plenty of times when someone shows up to a wedding reception in a car the exact same make model and color as the bride and groom's getaway car right so i'm curious has this ever happened to you or to anyone that you know if so you gotta send me an email and let me know about it friends that brings us to the end of this episode 57 all of you have a fantastic week this is malia warner i will meet you back here next week with another great episode of the power podcast until then carry an extra set of car keys